0: Noise, noise,
1: noise. 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 Uh, here. Yeah. Welcome, to- <laughs> on a on a welcome, welcome to Welcome to, to Sonosphere. Son- the <laughs> podcast that explores the sounds all around us in art and in music, art music and art movements and through history. 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 Thanks for joining us. We're your hosts. I'm Amy. And I'm Chris. Chris.
2: Hello. I'm Ricky Graham. I am the principal at Delta Sound Labs, uh,
3: originally from Northern Ireland, now based in Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm Edwin Park. I'm also from uh, Delta Sound Labs. I live in Charlotte. Uh,
4: I'm Ian. I'm a research scientist with Nokia Bell Labs, and I'm based in Dublin, Ireland.
2: So Delta Sound Labs is an audio technology company, we're based in Memphis, Tennessee currently, uh, with uh, members in Charlotte, North Carolina, and in uh, Donegal in Ireland. Uh, So we're building uh, basically hardware and software tools for musicians, Um, that includes modular synthesizers, um, and then also uh, audio plugins just started up last year, we've been involved in a couple of events. Uh, we did an artist residency at Technicolor in Los Angeles in January, where we experimented with our Vicon motion uh, capture system, 22 camera system, and uh, used it to pan sound around a hemispherical array of loudspeakers, so we were able to carry like, 3D audio scenes for motion capture actors. That was a lot of fun designed a very uh, sophisticated lighting system to help follow those trackers around physically in the space, so it was a lot of fun. And then uh, this is our first time at Moogfest, and uh, we are presenting our collaboration with ain uh, from Bell Labs, and that started as a sonification project, which I'm sure we will uh, talk about, and that's kind of morphed into this kind of like motion capture and audio-visual installation.
0: Uh, so, you, would you talk some about the uh, installation? I know there's uh, a, a few um, parts, uh, some intricate parts in there, and it's, uh, it's very cool, but uh, to give our listeners maybe a, a little description of what it actually is, maybe they can visualize it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess there's uh, two main components
4: to what you see on screen. Uh, so there's the interactive element, which I'll talk about in a minute, but the genesis of the project was actually, as Ricky mentioned, um, sonification of uh, some data that uh, I gathered at Nokia Bell Labs with my colleagues. Um, so we're actually, um, our group has got the Efficient Energy Transfer Group, so it's kind of a broad range of disciplines, uh, thermal research, I'm in acoustics, there's other guys working in energy storage and energy, energy harvesting as well. But we were doing a study on multi-phase flow, so that's things like air bubbles, um, how they enhance heat transfer. Uh, it's one of the key concerns for Nokia at the moment is how to cool their products. Um, So we had done this study, um, it was a fundamental fluid dynamics investigation, we were looking at how bubbles slide over inclined surfaces, something you would see every day in a glass of water or whatever, but the most mundane thing in the world seemingly, but we broke it down into using high speed footage, zooming right in on on this bubble as it travels over the surface, and we used an optical technique called Schleren uh, optics, and that basically allows you to see how heat is transferred um, in a fluid, similar to how... uh, air shimmers above a road uh, during the day, it's how light is diffracted through the changes in temperature. So what we could basically see by uh, heating this glass surface slightly and watching the bubble slide over you can actually capture really minute de- detail of the wake shed behind the bubble. And we were interested in that because that enhances the heat transfer, enhances mixing and uh, it looks really cool as well, so it's <laughs> nice. So. Uh, around that time, uh, Ricky had uh, visited uh, Bell Labs to give a talk in, in our Dublin site, and um, I had, was talking with him. I had done some kind of naive sonification without knowing what sonification was, just to see, you know, uh, I'm in acoustics, and I was thinking, like, oh, could you create music from, from this bubble? And I was doing some very, very simple mappings, um, but talking to Ricky, I realized there's a whole wealth of different approaches to this sonification, so I, g- I gave Ricky the data and said, go nuts with it. And, you so can come up with and um, yeah maybe ricky you talk a little bit more about the sonification process uh, sure
2: uh i guess this is where I, like gad came into the mix with uh, this project so I, I was in residency at ems in stockholm and they have these really wonderful uh Buchla and uh, surge uh, synthesizer systems and so the goal was to take the data set and uh, ref- you know boil it down to uh, more of a granular level and um, uh, convert it to um, some signals that I could use to control some kind of sound structure. Uh, so we used the MIDI to CV uh, converters that they had uh, there and Ed graciously uh, helped me engineer uh, a really nice uh, Python uh, script to munge the data down to something that was um, intelligible and uh, yeah and then we, we I just basically took um, About a week uh, or so, just uh, experimenting with different patches and generating different sounds, and then just letting the data run at different rates to control uh, the timbral structure. So, a lot of sonification projects typically would map one-to-one changes in data to like pitch. That's kind of like the most common. Um, I didn't want to do that with this project, and hence the kind of drone component to this particular installation. The focus is more on texture and timbre, so like shifting of harmonic structure um, primarily. So. Uh, yeah. So and then that's kind of like culminated in a couple of like iterations, and then we proposed that to Mugfest, and it was like, hey, let's make <laughs> this even better with like a motion tracking component, and then Ed came yeah, in and we, really we blew we out of the water. Come well,
3: on. we we just wanted to make it interactive, and so um, what we um, what we have right now, just to uh, kind of describe in words what it is you see, um, basically the lobby of the American Underground yeah. building over there. Uh, it's uh, it's a uh, you know, fairly narrow hallway. It's maybe um, 10 to 14 feet across, about 14 feet high. Um, and we put in uh, two enormous um, projectors. And when you walk into the, the space, it's darkened. But, um, and you'll see some, uh, some of Ian's uh, bubble videos running along the side uh, of the video screen. But when you walk into the middle of the space, um, you'll find out that uh, there's a there's an infrared camera behind you that's basically tracking your movement and as you move it will generate um, fluid so we have a, a dynamic uh, real-time fluid flow simulation running and so as you move around it generates uh, flows of, of, uh, of the simulated fluid through the space which looks really cool but also what we do is we uh, analyze that data and then basically quantize it and then send it um, over uh, the network to Uh, Ricky's laptop where he has some max patches, some VSTs, and some analog synthesis going on uh, through some of our uh, Eurorack equipment, and that actually influences the, uh, the music. So you can probably talk about how that works. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh,
2: So I mentioned um, at EMS, we use like a MIDI to CV converter to convert this data to something usable in an analog synthesis context. Uh, Since then, uh, Ed and our our counterpart in Ireland, John Harding, have been working on, John primarily has been working on a module that we're gonna be releasing this year called Control. So it's a high resolution, like 16-bit CV generator, eight channels of gate, eight channels of CV. And that's really neat because uh, over USB, you can basically send any data to your modules. So you can drive it with any data, whether it's from a camera or a data set. Um, I mean, it it doesn't really matter. It's kind of um, agnostic to its input, which is cool.
1: It's kind of, it's almost perfect uh, science and art Coming together in one space, and I'm kind of wondering what came first for you guys. Were you guys really into the computer data stuff, and then you kind of just fell into sound as a medium, or what? How did that all start? Well, off? for me
2: personally, it was art first. Yeah. Definitely, I, I'm a trained artist or musician. Um, when the cup, you know, my studies were all music and music technology based. Um, the computer interest came when I reached certain limitations with my instrument. I wanted to. Uh, trying to extend the sonic kind of palette. I'm a guitar player first and foremost, mm-hmm. um, prior to any kind of like synthesis generally. Um, so I wanted to use like, uh, actually digital audio processing techniques to extend the sound world of the guitar. And then I got into coding because I had to learn how to code in order to develop <laughs> a system to extend the guitar. And I really didn't want to do that. But uh, I was fortunate enough to be around people at, um, I actually did a residency at Stein in Amsterdam. and. Uh, I, I was really very resistant to learning how to code, I wanted to just play music and produce music but um, they taught me and they, they really encouraged me to, to learn and I'm glad that I did because otherwise I wouldn't be working with these two legends here so. Um, yeah. so for me it was art but I'm sure it's different for you
4: guys, Yeah, I think for me it definitely came the other way around. Um, so when I would have joined Bell Labs, um, you know I wouldn't have ever imagined. Uh, this kind of a collaboration happened. Um, but luckily uh, what's been exciting for me is th- this initiative of uh, Experiments in Art and Technology uh, within Bell Labs has kind of kicked uh, back into a high gear in, in the last couple of years. Yeah, I explain what that is. Uh, yeah, so the Experiments in Art and Technology has been a, a program that's actually been around for the best part of half a century. So it originally started uh, in Bell Labs when they realized that basically research scientists you know if you put a bunch of research scientists in a room you're going to get a limited way of seeing a problem and, and seeing the world um, so they really wanted to get technology into the hands of artists and that's something now i think you see a lot more of those barriers are kind of broken down you speak to a lot of people with huge interest in technology and art and that can bring the two together but back then it was a very very novel concept recently though there's been a resurgence in that in in that program um within bell labs so it's been great for um, for me because it allows me to uh, to spend time uh, w- working with uh, interesting artists and people who like I said they see the world in a different way, it allows me to meet a completely different type of person than than I would in my day job and uh, just as a way like I said of seeing problems I mean weak c- as uh, research scientists can get involved in problems that, when you're trying to explain it to people, their eyes can kind of glaze over and they're wondering, well, yeah, but how is this how is this change in the world? But we've been trying to get back to looking at, you know, all our problems, you know, the, the, the real blue sky thinking, Bring artists and uh, technology experts together to really, you know, deal with things like uh, what one of the themes currently is empathetic communication, like how we communicate with each other. Or even with autonomous systems, so we have artists and residents looking at all sorts of um, human robot interactions, for exist, uh, for example. And um, yeah, it's been really exciting to be involved and in, involved in
3: that. Oh, well, it's, for me. I'm kind of a little bit of a mix between the two. I mean, my career has mostly been focused on technology, but um, got into uh, computers in the first place just because um, it was creative. It was like the most creative, like. It's the biggest box of LEGOs you could imagine, right? Because anything you can dream of, you can, uh, as long as you can, you know, uh, you, you can make it happen. behind. But it was largely behind the computer screen, and, and it wasn't necessarily as, uh, you know, I had a career basically building software systems for large companies or, or you know, just more mundane uses. But uh, um, I love uh, doing creative things with it, and this was a great opportunity to do that. and. Uh, you know, this project really, you know, I mean, it had some background, but um, we, we came together in a couple of weeks before Moogfest and even during Moogfest, we've been evolving it um, and intentionally so. So every day it changes a little bit. Um, we figure out new ways to, we've been sending data from the video to influence the audio. We've also started sending um, data from the audio, uh, like the envelope and, yeah, and it's various, very directional. Yeah. Yeah, back to the video so that, you know, the images will pulse based on uh, the the beats that are actually coming out of the audio, um, and you know we've been trying to get the uh, the people who have come to visit the exhibit to give us their ideas too that we might you know incorporate into it. So it's it's kind of collaboration between the three of us, but also between everyone at Moogfest as well.
0: How, how has the response been for
3: that? Uh, uh, everyone hates it. No, <laughs> yeah, no. It's it's been really great. <laughs> it's been really really good. We got a lot of people. It's it's kind of it's kind of neat to see people like walk some people just don't know what it is and they're just walking by but even as they walk by suddenly this very uh the, the music will pick up and and uh they'll think you, they've broken something yeah and they laugh <laughs> because it kind of it. they're to stop something yeah oh, what they do I see do I like do? this you know <laughs> this this form move across the screen and all this you know stuff start happening and you know they'll turn around and go like whoa what's going on and and it's uh it's nice to kind of see them sort of discover what what's happening we had a lot of really great discussions and uh, this is our first time at Moogfest for all of us, and mm-hmm. it's great because uh, I mean, it's uh, we met a lot of artists, but we've also met a lot of technologists, a lot of you know, just it's a it's it's a mix of people across the spectrum. You know, creativity comes in many many forms, and um, you know, um, just evidenced by the three of us here, um, we're all kind of from different backgrounds, but um, we're all collaborating on an art piece, and uh, I, I think at large uh, Moogfest is about that too.
0: So so logistically how how challenging was it to actually make <laughs> this oral? happen I know that we're in a world that is more seamless in communication yeah but still making these things physical and giving you the ideas back and forth. How challenging was that? You mean That's between the three of us? Yes, yeah, between yeah. the three, yeah. Um, actually, pretty. I mean,
4: yeah, yeah, I pretty seamless, was, I think. That was, yeah. think, that was yeah. very seamless, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. We,
3: we had, a, I mean, yeah, like you said, online co- co- collaboration. It was it was good.
4: Yeah, I, th- I think when you were saying logistical challenges, the word projectors popped <laughs> oh, into my head. <laughs> oh, yeah, right oh, yeah. Well, your yeah. engineering feat <laughs> in
0: there was, was yeah. phenomenal. It's an installation in itself. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. it really is. Uh, and <laughs> check out this piece yeah. of, <laughs> on the ceiling. Yeah. So we had
3: one picture of the space, we had no accurate measurements. We had, um, you know, basically, and and we knew kind of what we wanted to do. So, uh, but we knew we had to hang the projectors from the ceiling. And then we got here, and they said, "Oh yeah, you can't put you can't put any mounts in the ceiling." <laughs> so um, we had to basically use existing mounts that were in the ceiling and try to figure out how to how to mount our projectors in the right place using whatever was up there. Uh, and. Yeah, uh, the setup day was kind of horrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a very
2: long twelve-hour day, uh, but we survived, I and mean, we're did. still we still like each other. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's Debbie, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think yeah. I
3: think, I think yeah. we will. Um, I still got a crick in my neck from like <laughs> at the ceiling, but, Um But
2: generally, I mean, the, the communication between uh, at least for me, you know, r- with these guys is is completely seamless. Like like Kane said, um, there's no translation really necessary. Regardless of discipline or background, <laughs> it's
3: yeah we work well together. I mean okay. so, I've, I've so, seen that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's been some great, cool.
0: Well, lastly, I would like to kind of get your guys' thoughts and uh, experience at moog Fest, and maybe hit on some things that maybe were impressive outside of what you've done oh, yeah. or what you've seen.
2: For me, it was Author and Punisher set. I mean that that was so heavy and amazing. Loved it. Uh, I mean just uh, Tamburley powerful i mean I, I really like that a lot um the stage aesthetics match the sound so well as well i think yeah yeah very cool. i mean yeah. the fact that he's like got this very mechanical like device to <laughs> trigger samples and stuff is nuts and uh very enjoyable to watch and listen to so that was that was a highlight for me
4: yeah i loved author and punisher and uh, john hopkins as well both sets uh, been a fan for for quite a while so i hadn't seen him live and uh, the visuals picky. in the 2nd night, actually really really enjoyed um, so that, that was great
3: yeah, we've, had, we've had limited opportunity to actually go out and see things because we've been kind of trapped in that hallway um, you know for a while so uh, but yeah I mean I would agree with these two those those are definitely the highlights I'm uh, less educated I guess in terms of the different artists that are in the space um, so um, I both of those were new to me but I was blown away by both of them I really really liked it um, and hopefully We'll get a chance to see some more tonight. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: community, creating mm-hmm. community with what you're doing, um, especially in Memphis with your modular meetups. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. Will you talk a little bit about how you can kind of create community around
2: this? Yeah, thing? I th- I think that all of this is kind of pointless if you don't build community around your your ideas and your and your well, in our case, our products. Effectively, you know, we want to we want to be able to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Um, in a place and for me coming to Memphis, I was somewhat familiar with it, I've been visiting for like 10 years um, on and off. Uh, my wife's from Memphis, um, that's why we're there primarily. Um, but it was interesting to come to Memphis and find pockets of people that are interested in this kind of thing and to get them to come together, make some noise, uh, get some you know enthusiasm going about it. I mean we've got Memphis crack coming up and that's gonna be fantastic. Um, but yeah, but the the meetups have been really good because, like, you know, you, you can bring your ideas there and get, and get immediate feedback on uh, for us, you know, our software and our synths and and that, and that kind of thing, our modules. So it's it's cool. It's super important. Yeah, you can't you can't succeed. You need the one thing I took away from academia was that you you really need the people to take you where you want to go. You can't do it by yourself. So you got to build community around
0: what it is that you're passionate about. And it's a good focus group, right? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You
2: know, you can yeah. go discuss your woes. How oh, you don't have any money because you spend it all on, you
1: know, <laughs> yeah. Uh. yeah, it's a small scene in Memphis, but it's uh, it's but, a but passionate
0: it's,
2: one. It's vibrant and like it's consistent. And that's what I was telling these guys. It's like, the these people turn up to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah, true.
0: Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I really <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. Thank so. You so.
1: This has been an independent production of Sonosphere, produced by Amy S. and Chris Williams.
0: Check us out at sonospherepodcast.com Subscribe on iTunes and check us out on SoundCloud.
1: Thanks for listening.